Good afternoon and good evening wherever you are. Uh, today is something something of February, I believe. My brain is a little bit not working today. Anyway, welcome to episode seven of the Groovy Podcast with me, Peter Lebrook. And me, Ken Cousin. It's the 20th of February, by the way. And it's the 20th of February. Thank you very much. Uh, I was in Nice last night, uh, gave a talk at the local jug there. And uh, I didn't sleep very well and I've been suffering ever since. Uh, so how are you, Ken? Oh, doing very well, thank you. I'm in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina this week and slowly freezing. It's unbelievable how cold it's been and I'm supposed to be in the south right now. It's supposed to be better, but oh well. Yeah, that's harsh. Mind you, it is still supposed to be winter. Uh, hey, nice, nice was nice actually. It was like 14 degrees Celsius, which is... Yeah, I'm trying to feel sorry for you, but it's just not working. Sorry. <laughs> It was all work. <laughs> anyway, so uh, let's do some news. It's it was be it was pretty quiet this week uh, and last week, uh, but there are some significant pieces of news, and I'd like to discuss some of those in depth. And I guess the big one is that Groovy is set to join a foundation. I believe they're currently investigating the different types of foundation, like Eclipse, Apache. Uh, there was one other. Um, I can't remember what it was, Symphony or something like that. Um, and that's asking for feedback from the community. So, um, Ken, I don't know, I assume you picked up on this and are following it at the moment? Yeah, Cedric put a nice little blog post about it, and we've got a link in the show notes, of course. The third one's that Software Freedom Conservancy, home of Git, Mercurial, PyPy, various other ones. Uh, I'm not that familiar with that. Uh, I understand that there's a lot of motivation to make a much more rigorous process and have something that's useful in the long term, but it sounds very complicated and very legal to me. Uh, I'm rather glad that I'm not personally involved in any of that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a, a good idea for Groovy. Groovy's kind of already got that development model, um, mm. yeah. collaborative team, and being independent of a, a single company will hopefully encourage other companies to like fund uh, their own, like allow their own developers to join in, um, possibly fund some development as well, and they don't feel that uh, any one other company is going to pull the rug from under their feet. I, so. I also agree that it's a, I mean, the language is sufficiently mature at this point that having a somewhat more structured process, you know, so that at least we know, I think one of the issues was, is there a trademark on the word groovy, for example, and who actually has rights to use it, and things like that. It, it'd be nice to have those answers, you know, to have those issues resolved, as well as a process for becoming a committer and everything. Uh, that sounds good. Yeah, so I've, I know, I think the team, the current groovy team, is, uh, kind of looks at the requirements of something like Apache Foundation and Eclipse mm -hmm. Foundation, they go, whoa, that is so bureaucratic, we can't yeah. use all the stuff that we're already using. Um, and there's talk of fast tracking through Apache incubation. I, I went through something uh, a little bit similar with uh, Apache Shiro, uh, where that was joining uh, the incubator. And it is, it does feel like you're suddenly chained a little bit. Uh, there's a lot more bureaucracy involved, but um, once you get into the swing of things, it's not that much. Uh, and it is important to be open, uh, people know what's happening. And the legal aspect is fairly important. I mean, it's, you don't really understand all the issues necessarily. But, um, I mean, some of the 
projects on I still the conservancy like Git. Um, Git was one of them. Uh, okay. There are a couple of others. They were around tooling. Groovy is something that happens at runtime. Ooh. So that's a, that influences production systems. So uh, there is, I think, more chance for there to be um, complaints, lawsuits, perhaps, or, or whatever. So legal protection is key for Groovy, I think. Um, I'd like to see them uh, definitely consider uh, Apache. Um, you know, Eclipse, I know that... Tim Fox, I think, partly preferred Eclipse because that has a project lead. But I don't feel that Groovy is really in need of a Groovy uh, project lead role. I think it's yeah, kind of collaborative works. I trust uh, you know Guillaume and, and his cohorts to make a good decision on all that. I uh, the legal aspects of it get very complex very quickly, and there's a lot of debate. I I'm just glad that it will be under a rigorous foundation at some point, relatively soon, and. I'm just happy they're not going to become a Java.net project, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, yeah, I remember that. Collabnet was the, the basis of their infrastructure and the like. So, well, um, the whole Jenkins slash, uh, you know... Uh, what was Hudson. Jenkins. Hudson, Hudson and Jenkins, yes. Yeah, so we'll see how that plays out. I know they're under a lot of pressure to move relatively quickly because they'd like to get this done before the end of March, if possible, but... As you say, these things get complicated and they take time, so we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, it, it should play out fairly, uh, fairly soon, I think. And I, it was nice to see like lots of the representatives from the various foundations get involved on that thread as well. So mm. people from Eclipse, Conservancy, and uh, Apache. Um, one thing very noticeable, no mention of Grails, so I don't know whether there's any uh, consideration of a foundation for Grails. That is an interesting question. I, I mean, since it's an allied project and it's in the ecosystem, if you will, I don't know what requirements that will have or what how that's going to change the overall infrastructure. I guess we'll have to see. Again, I, I know, you know Graham is certainly involved in all of these discussions, so uh, he'll let us know what, what they decide. I mean, you're, are you a part of that as well? Are you in, involved in that part of the discussion? Um, I'm not involved at all. Um, not not since I was I I left VMware, uh, but I, I do know that uh, Groovy was fairly dependent on Codehouse. Grails moved off Codehouse a while back and is very dependent on the VMware infrastructure. Uh, I'm assuming that the pivotal withdrawal of sponsorship will also mean that that infrastructure won't be available. So, so it could tie into all those sponsorship issues as well. Um, by the way, I guess that, I mean, not to leave the topic if you want to talk about it, but that does bring up the other issue of the Rails getting a new website. Uh, yes, I've said my piece on the uh, foundation. Um, I think that's good news for uh, a lot of people. Hmm. I think it definitely puts uh, Groovy's future um, on a good footing. So uh, this is, what, what's happened with the Rails website? Is this a static website now? Well, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've explored it a little bit. I don't know who did the work or what they physically changed. Uh, I do like the look and feel, and I do like that they've made it much, much easier to get to the user guide. I mean, I, I teach these Grails classes all the time, and the first thing we do is to go in and bookmark the user guide, and it used to be something of a pain to go dig in, although I knew the, the URL by heart, but now it's just a couple of links right from the homepage, and 
as a developer, I find that very helpful. But the look and feel is nice as well. Yeah, I think the documentation was under Learn or well, something like that. Before, now there's a documentation yeah. link on the top, and you can go right from there to the to the user guide. Well, you can blame me for the for documentation hiding under Learn. I'm sure that was my fault. I uh, I, I will continue to do that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I have no problem. Uh, what's very noticeable? <laughs> no branding. It's right. all just grails. <laughs> And it's finally time to take down the advertisement of Spring 1 2GX from 2014. <laughs> it finally got taken off. Of course, that means now they're going to have to talk about Spring 1 2GX of 2015, which is coming up in September this year. The call for papers is open and everything. Yes, yes, I saw the announcement there. So I'm hoping to get a, a few talks in there. Uh, so that's Washington, no, D.C. Yeah, I talked to Jay, so I know I'll be there. Excellent. One. Excellent. If you're there, we'll probably have to do a podcast. Oh, my God. Uh, I've, I've been thinking about this. It's like all the equipment that you might have to take with you to do, yeah, you know, do something like a podcast remotely. Make sure you've got the microphones and the cameras and the tripods. Wait, I don't yeah. – that sounds like work, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about it, though. So what have we got? We've got six, six months, thereabouts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's not till September, so we've got plenty of time to worry about that. I mean, great conf both in uh, in Europe and in the United States is before both of the, before that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm looking at the Grails website at the moment, and it's uh, it's on the front page. It's got uh, dates for Greech, uh, Great Conf EU, and Great Conf US. So I assume they'll be adding uh, Spring One Two GX to that soon. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's just a question of time. That that call for papers just came out. Less than a week ago, I think. Uh, yeah, I feel like it was it was this week. But, yeah, yeah that's what I mean, it was just a few days, right? Yeah. Um, cool. So, uh, new website, reduced mm -hmm. branding, easier to find the documentation, very key. Uh, so, no, not many releases, but a big one, Gradle 2.3, finally right. uh, reached its GA, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, Again, we've talked about it before. I don't think they've edited anything since we last talked about it. Uh, it's just like finishing that GA and making it fully available. So uh, the key key features that they that the Gradleware guys seem to uh, particular favor is this artifact query API. So you right. can actually interrogate metadata like POMs in the repository. Um, so I feel that's like a really specialized requirement. I've not felt any need to do that myself. No, that's uh, only like something for tool vendors, you know, for them to be able to get in and find out what was needed and when and everything and adjust the tooling for it. Uh, although I imagine on some of the larger Gradle builds, they might have to care about certain process or dependencies aspects, and this does give them a hook into the underlying infrastructure that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, f I kind of find it amazing how rich the Gradle API is for handling <laughs> dependency management, because it's. It just proves really that dependency management is is a horror. <laughs> it is. Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> the whole download the internet problem happens because it's just hard, you know, to get that stuff right. Yeah, yeah. So those, those darn transitive dependencies. Uh, I was talking about it last night, and uh, I said we don't really want to go back to trying to find all the jar files and putting them in our lib directory <laughs> every upgrade. I experienced this on a project, and it's like trying to upgrade those uh, dependencies is just a pain. It's really, 
And of course, I spend a lot of time with Gradle these days, mostly through the Android plugin, because I'm spending a lot of time in, involved in that part of the project. And by the way, I should mention uh, the new a new version of the plugin for Android came out. Not the see, it's always hard to talk about it because from the Android point of view, they call it the Gradle plugin, when in reality, it's a Gradle plugin for Android. It's an Android plugin into Gradle. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, very confusing. And if you look at the, you know how it goes, group ID and then the name and then the version number, in Android, it's called Gradle. So even more confusing, just to, to keep it a little messed up there. The point is, is that the Gradle plugin for Android was at 1.0.0 at the beginning, well, late last year, and they just released 1.1.0, and now all the groovy stuff broke. So, like, I, on the last podcast, I mentioned that I was able to implement things in Groovy using Cedric's, uh, you know, Cedric Shampoo's implementation, and now there's a problem with the boot class path, and uh, I think they tracked it down to something inside the actual plugin, and somebody's going to have to update the plugin to make it work together compatibly. I assume Cedric probably knows all about this, but it was disappointing to see that, oh, I could work with it for a minute, and then, nope, not anymore. Wow. Um, well, fingers crossed that that does get fixed very quickly. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure that'll be planned, yeah. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. It's like you big, we big it up, groovy on Android, and then, and then something like that happens. Um, yeah, it's Swift for Android, right? And, of course, that was another thing that happened is that there's now an open source implementation of Swift, meaning that it's possible that Swift could be the Swift for Android, you know, but I'm still hoping for Groovy to be the one. Uh, but I do want to mention, as long as we're talking about Android, if you don't mind, uh, I did look at that Spock Android plugin. That what version is that now? I think that was the 1.1 version was released of that. Yep, that does seem to be it. Pardon me. Yes, one one zero. Right, and there's a beta of one two, I think, or something like that. So I did take a. I had to switch the Gradle plugin back to 1.0.0, but when I did that. I was able to add the Spock plugin into my into a simple Android project, and it took a little bit of, of doing. It's a little more involved than than just adding a library. But once I was able to do that, I did in fact get Spock tests to work with within an Android project. And even better, now these again, these are integration tests. These aren't unit tests. You have to have an emulator running or connected device or whatever. But that's typical for Android. Uh, the test not only worked. But I had a Java J unit test, you know, the normal Android tests in there, as well as the Spock tests, and they both ran. And everything worked just fine. I didn't play with the mock objects or anything like that. All I did was, uh, you know, test that a button was able to click and provide the right response and something like that. But you were able to write the tests in Spock form, and all of the assertions worked just fine. So, it, it, again, it took me a little time to play with it, and I'll probably have to write a blog post about it, but it's nice to see that coming along. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, I, I actually would have expected Spock to work uh, fine anyway. I would have been really disappointed if you couldn't use it. Um, so that's Spock Android 110 released, so if you are doing groovy development on Android, or even if you're just doing normal Android development um, using Spock for the tests, uh, I, did not, I did not try to get, uh, I got to be careful because I'm not sure if a Groovy test works on a Java class right now. I don't know how where their cross-compilation implementation is working, you know what I mean? But I was able to do Groovy tests on Groovy classes and Java tests and everything, so I assume it would all work. I just didn't actually verify that part of it. 
Okay. I can't imagine it would need the cross-compilation, though. Um, okay. uh, I just because... part of the process once I wound up with class not found errors and things like that, but that could have been just working out the dependencies properly. I'm not sure. It's certainly okay. worth a look. I, I expect this to get better over time. And the biggest thing they did in Android in this 1.1.0 release is that now they have true unit tests. It's like they're trying to get rid of, if you will, RoboElectric or whatever that, that emulates the Android operating system and make an actual unit test. And I think it's the Espresso project that's going to start filling that in. Uh, I'm, again, not able to play with that with Groovy. But once the plug-in uh, issues are resolved, then I imagine they'll all work together. Okay, well, hopefully next episode we'll have uh, good news on, on that front. But no pressure, right. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, uh, that's all the Android news, I believe. Um, yeah. Going back to Gradle, mm -hmm. so I saw a tweet from Luke Daly, who some of you may know. He's uh, one of the core developers for Gradleware. And uh, he tweeted, seeing light at the end of the tunnel of the last six months' work in the form of ten times performance improvements. Wow. I did get confirmation this was for Gradle rather than Rat Pack, which is his other big project. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is uh, his work on configure the configuration phase. So if you know much about the internals of Gradle, uh, there are the three phases, initialization, configuration, and execution. Everything that's in configuration always runs, no matter what you're doing. Even yeah. running Gradle tasks will run the configuration stuff. Now, for a lot of Java projects, this is fine. It doesn't take too much time. Um, but for some other projects, particularly complex ones, you can end up doing expensive configuration that isn't actually needed for execution, and it just slows everything down. So that's what he's been changing. It's like on-demand configuration. So it kind of feels with that tweet that uh, it won't be long now, you know, maybe uh, a month or two uh, before we see an, a Gradle release with this new configuration model built in. So that's very exciting, I feel, for me. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, there's nothing more disheartening than just showing, just looking at a project and going Gradle tasks just to see what tasks are available and seeing it try to build everything all the way down. And you're like, I don't need all that just to see what the tasks are. And, you're right. I mean, it runs the entire configuration, and if they can skip that, that's going to be a, a major performance improvement right there. Yeah. It's, um, I think it, it particularly impacts uh, Android and native, like C, C++ development. So uh, those communities, I, guess, I think, will be really happy at this. Uh, he's been, I gather he's been working on it for like a solid six months, so it was not a simple problem to solve. But it mm. um, uh, looks like that's going to be ready soon. Well, and he rocks, so I'm sure that'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Plus one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I also noticed uh, another interesting news item. It's kind of hidden, but uh, apparently Jochen, otherwise known as Black Drag, one of the Groovy developers, uh, wrote a post saying that he's thinking of removing compare to from the uh, equality operator. So... Oh. Why? Uh, well, why? Why remove that? I mean, I, I understand it seems to be the reasonable thing to do to do compare to equals equals zero when you're invoking equals equals. That seems appropriate. What's the problem? Uh, okay, so first off, uh, I think we should probably explain what this is uh, about because okay. perhaps not everybody knows how the 
uh, equality operator works, the equals equals. So um, rather than using the Java identity, uh, it will use the dot equals method unless the object on the left-hand side of the expression implements the comparable interface. Right. If it implements comparable, then compare to is called instead, and if that evaluates to zero, the two sides are equal. Which is part of the contract for comparable anyway. So it's supposed to be consistent with the equals operator. Uh, that's not part of the contract. That's <laughs> I mean, I love reading the uh, Java docs about and from that, especially like big decimal. It's like, we strongly recommend that compare to is uh, consistent with equals. Uh, and then for something like big decimal, they decided not to. Um, it's kind of painful. But this big decimal is, in fact, the main reason that uh, this was changed. But uh, apparently, people have run into problems with this behavior where um, I, I'm guessing where compared to and equals in other cases aren't consistent, and they're getting weird results for whatever reason. Um, I don't think... I don't think Jochen gave any examples, so uh, I mean I'm not really in favor of this particular change. And oh. I came across um, I came across a, another example where dot equals is inconsistent with compare to, long an integer. Oh, you you tweeted about that. That was bizarre. That long an integer. Well, you explained it. It was it was so weird. It is so. If you have a long object on the left-hand side and an integer on the right-hand side, even if they have the same value, dot equals is false because they're of different types. Right. And this is the Java behavior. And I was like first shocked that it had taken 10 years of Java development to discover this, <laughs> <laughs> although I may have noticed it before and uh, ignored it. Uh, it is documented. But yeah, it's uh, that is not what you would expect. I mean, I mean, the theoretical part about doing inheritance or doing equality with inheritance is always a bit of a challenge. But these are just quote primitives. You know, these are just wrapper classes where you know if the value fits in both. You were demonstrating, I think, with a one and a one L, and <laughs> demonstrating that they didn't work. And I was, that was quite surprising. I, I'm yeah. surprised that hasn't come up in bugs before. Yeah, it, it probably has, um, but it, it kind of confirmed my uh, uh, my favoritism towards Groovy, that Groovy prefers value equality rather than, well, I, have to, I was going to say identity equality, but to be honest, it feels random in Java. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, uh, given that, I would kind of like the compare to path to be kept. So um, uh, maybe Jochen will uh, add some some more context to that. But apparently, there is confusion around it. Understandably, um, I mean, it's a little odd that it's not it's it's not always easy to explain to classes. You know, you're teaching Groovy, and you have to explain how equals equals works. Um, well, but it, it is intuitive that equals equals would invoke an equals method, so I, I guess that makes sense anyway. And uh, I like to think that understanding Groovy's operator overloading in terms of the operators helps you understand how Groovy works in general. So I always bring that up because uh, Java people learning Groovy 
see in the in the test cases a lot lots and lots of equals equals and they get all nervous because you're not supposed to do that in Java and you have to explain no 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 don't worry it's invoking the dot equals method it's all fine you know it's not just comparing references there's an is method for that yeah so, yeah exactly consistency there so yeah oh well anyway so uh, if you're interested um I don't. I will try to find a link to that post uh, and put it in the show notes, okay. so uh, people can go and possibly comment and find out more. Possibly get involved in dev at uh, groovy.codehouse.org. Uh, oh, of course, actually, the developer mailing list will move, as will the user mailing list at some point. So we'll have to wait till the foundation move to find oh. out where these mailing lists are going. Or Stack Overflow, right? So. Yeah, or Stack Overflow, which yeah. is where I like Grails moved its um, user mailing list. Supposedly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just want to finish off quickly uh, with a couple more news items. Uh, Grails Flow, which is a workflow engine for Grails, uh, like like pro, uh, business process management, that kind of thing. That's had a 1.5 release, so. Mm. If that's the kind of thing uh, that you do in your project, definitely check that out. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, I think this one is uh, uh, you added to the notes. Uh, I did get an email about this. There is a new MEEP, Manning Early Access Program, for a book called Java Testing with Spock. Right. So have you had a look at that, Ken? I just read the bit, the very beginning, and there's normally when a book goes to Meep at Manning, you know, Manning Early Access, then there's three chapters available, and that's the case in, in this particular one. Uh, I'm a little surprised that it's Java testing with Spock and not both Java and Groovy, but I assume that's in there anyway. Uh, so I've had just a basic look over it. It looks like it's fine. Uh, there have been several runs over the past three or four years at writing a Spock book, which we've kind of needed, but this is the first one to actually make it to the point where you could go ahead and download an early access version. I mean, I haven't seen any others come out of you. Uh, no, no, I'm aware of... Um, there was going to be a book Spock in action. Right, right. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Uh, I'd uh, rather not. Uh, so, I mean, rather than worry about ones that didn't work, uh, this is very promising. Spock is another one of those breakout projects in the Groovy ecosystem that is used outside of Groovy. Here it's going to be used to illustrate Spock, and that's, you know, the, the subtle way of getting Groovy into an organization that wouldn't ordinarily use it is to use it for testing, and then people will start expanding it once they become more comfortable with it. So that that's great from my point of view. Yeah. And I, I actually like the title, Java Testing, with Spock, uh, mm. because, you know, the Java community is a lot bigger. And if you don't have Java and testing in the title, then uh, it may not trigger uh, people's recognition very easily. Yeah, certainly a reasonable thing to go... Yeah, a reasonable argument to make, and, and hopefully it will uh, sell well as a result and it will market itself well to the Java community. Uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, most people that give Spock a go love it, so... One other uh, minor thing, by the way. Were you finished with that? Is that yes, yes. Okay. One other minor thing I forgot to put out there. Uh, Dirk Koenig, again, is he's having this habit of dropping little subtle things that are actually very, very powerful on Twitter. Like, before the last podcast, he mentioned that, you know, that Regina had gone to press. You know, the Groovy in Action 2nd Edition is now going to press. This time... 
he just happened to mention in passing, oh, by the way, all this reactive stuff, I think that's cheaper as data flows. Right, it's that the data flow capabilities inside of the Groovy parallel systems, you know, Jeepers, yeah. is basically reactive programming. And if that's true, and it looks like it very well may be true, that's not something you whisper. That's something you scream at the top of a mountain. You know, I mean, that's the buzzword for 2015, right? Is reactive, or is it yeah. for 2014? I think probably 2015. Functional was the buzzword last year. Yeah, I think Reactive is going to be bigger 2015. So it definitely started in 2014, but becoming a buzzword probably 2015. I mean, everybody thinks Reactive, they think Rx Java. And if Jeepers already has it in there, in the data flows, I mean, I've been spending some time with Jeepers lately, and it's dazzling. It is just, I can't believe that something this powerful is just not better known. You know, so I'm going to start really spending some time with that, and I hope to really start talking about it more and using it more and seeing what kind of benefits I can get out of that. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's, as you said, it's powerful, but uh, power generally means uh, often means complex, or people don't really know where it fits in. Um, it's like this. This is the main challenge I feel is. Uh, explaining to people how these things fit into their normal development. It's like, well, what are you doing? I think the way the process is working these days is people start learning Java 8 and they find out about the parallel collections and being able to uh, just simply switch from a map to a parallel map and they get all excited. And then they say, well, if you really want actors and, and all these other, you know, major pieces, you've got to go to Scala and Akka libraries and things like that. And then they say, well, wait a minute. If you've been using Groovy at all, there's this whole library that deals with actors, that deals with data flows, that deals with advisors, that just has enormous amounts of power in it. And its version, I think they're up to like 1.2, 1.3 now. It, it, and much of it, 1.2 actually, and much of it's built right into the standard language that you could start using immediately, not to mention the MapReduce functionality and everything that's been in there for a while. So that's what I think is happening, is people start running into Java 8 and learning that, hey, you've got this power available. Let's show them that, yeah, you could start with that, but look where you can go from there, and you can really do some amazing things. Yeah, but for me, it feels like a big jump from like parallel collections uh, yeah. to things like Dataflow or CSP, uh, concurrent sequential processing, I think that one stands for, yeah. uh, which again Jeepers uh, supports. So I, I feel there's definitely a, a need for education on how to use these things, what they're good for, um, how to just incorporate them into your own applications. And it's interesting, like with something like Reactive Streams, mm. it's an architectural style that you really have to buy into almost f like for the start of a project, or because it doesn't look like you can easily mix and match something like Reactive with uh, a more imperative style of architecture. So well, There's various discussions at, at Jeepers and in some of the presentations on the parts that you can add to an existing architecture and the parts that force you to rethink your architecture and the parts that just work with uh, existing data structures or force you to reconsider them. Uh, a lot of that is worked out and, and as people use the word Reactive and start using the word Functional more, and then they say, well, I've got, you know, eight cores on my machine. I want to take advantage of them. I think all this stuff is going to come up. And I think that I would like it very much if Jeepers was part of that discussion as opposed to being 
uh, no, I guess we have to go to Scala or whatever. And, and yes, it is complex. It is something you have to think through. But I think right now, this time frame is when people are starting to undergo that thought process anyway, if they haven't already been doing so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and definitely plus one on making sure that Jeepers is part of that, uh, part of the story. I guess I feel it's uh, incumbent upon the educators and the speakers to uh, get out there and let people know uh, what it's all about. So um, Again, no pressure, huh? Yeah, yeah exactly. No pressure. <laughs> I'm going to do, do a Jeepers talk on the No Fluff Tour this year and see how that works out. But I, you know, I have so much learning to do on that before I'm really any good. I mean, I, I can do enough to get myself in trouble. I don't know enough to get myself out of trouble yet. Yeah, well, definitely it's probably worth uh, getting in touch with uh, Russell, Russell Winder. Russell is fairly active in Jeepers, and he, well, has, a, uh, you know, yeah, he has a long background in um, parallel processing. And In fact, that's one of the tools I use. I, uh, I use Russell. Is it Winder or Winder? Uh, I think it's Winder. Yeah. Okay. At any rate, I used one of his talks at um, uh, where was it the uh, the presentation site where they host all those uh, slides SlideShare. As I, I looked at one of his uh, decks at SlideShare as the introduction to Jeepers as part of my learning process, and then of course Dirk mentioned on Twitter that hey, you know, chapter 18 of Ruby in Action Second Edition is Jeepers, and I read that chapter and. Then you find out that the user guide at Jeepers is enormous and covers everything, and I expect to be spending a lot of time in there. Yeah. <laughs> Things are starting to appear. Excellent. I'm looking forward to those talks. Hopefully you'll be doing one at Spring 1 2GX. Uh, well, okay, but then if I have Paul King in the room, I'm just going to have to, every time I make a statement, look over and go, is that right? Is that right? <laughs> and we'll see how it goes. Uh, yes, uh, that's always the fun bit, isn't it? When you feel that this, <laughs> when there's well, somebody more expert than you in the room and you're just going, well, maybe they should just do the talk. Here you go. <laughs> well, well, I did an advanced Groovy talk at two, Spring 1 2GX one year and Paul King walks in and I'm like, I don't even want to get up. I don't even want to say anything. But of course he was so nice about it. You know, he, I'd glance over at him and he'd give me a little nod, like, okay, I guess I'm still on the right track. And then after the talk was over, he came up and said, hey, that was good. By the way, these three things, we can cut this code in half if we do this, and this is what's coming out in the next version. And, you know, it's just so much fun. Uh, it's nice that the community is so friendly, and, and you, that's how everybody learns Groovy, is they do something, and then one of the core team members comes up and says, you know, that's great, but you could cut your code in half if you did this, you know. <laughs> yeah, so it's fun, and I I do expect to be spending time with it, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, uh, anything else, or are we basically? No, I I think it's time to wrap up actually, and uh, let you get uh, out of the building before they lock you in. Yeah, <laughs> make another plane, so you know how it is. Okay. Well, thanks once again, Ken, for joining me this evening. Uh, well, it's this evening my time, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening, folks. And uh, look forward to another episode in approximately two weeks' time. Hopefully, I have plenty more news for you. So, have a good night and goodbye. Take care.